Welcome to podcast number 193. I'm sitting on the weekly sofa and I'm joined today with Richard. Nonetheless, yes, indeed. How's your bottom? Well, yeah, could be could be worse, but mustn't grumble. <laughs> Can I see it? No, you can. Right. You're more than welcome. I'm not entirely sure. <laughs> Might change things between us. Good Lord, listener. Here we go. Hi, Heather. Loving the podcast as usual, but was a little concerned yesterday when I listened to hear Richard advocating feeding dead rodents to hens. Whilst it was good to hear Richard talking about rodent control, as rats and mice are a potential reservoir for salmonella, to then feed them to hens would not be best practice. And that's bestest from Louise Manning, who, as you probably know, is a poultry expert, especially on hygiene, welfare and cleanliness. So, Richard, hold out your hand. Uh, uh, I, I should say this morning there was a poor, unfortunate wood mouse in one of the little nippers in the shed, and he winged his way over the top of the deer fencing down into the chicken run to a great delight of, of all the little hens in there that could tussle with it. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm sure she's almost certainly right. <laughs> But the reality is that uh, my chickens seem wonderfully happy when they've got a little mammal to deal with. Hand out, again. <laughs> you just won't take your medicine, will you? Uh, That's the not trouble not with you. A, <laughs> you just have to come back, don't I know, you? I know. But, but, but. There you are, there you are. But, but, but. but. Thanks, for the, thanks for your thoughts, Louise. Louise Manning, have, I, have we met? She, yes, know. you have. She's a Nuffield scholar and she's a water whiz kid. And she runs a blog called Poultry Discussion. Right, right. So I think you've met her. I think I've certainly the lame rings a bell. Or is quite famous. Read some stuff. Yes. That she's written. Yeah. If you want to go to her blog, put in Poultry Discussion into Google and you'll find it. And she's got another one called The Human Imprint, which is also pretty interesting. So thanks for that, Louise. I have smacked his bottom. (laughs) Or not. (laughs) On the saw. Right, we got tons of feedback from the Set Aside podcast. But first of all, we are going into the mealworm shed because everyone really enjoyed our little chats with Noel because she's got that glorious accent, that Irish accent. So we will go and listen to Rachel and Noel who are in the mealworm shed. I think they're making nesting spirals. Excellent. So hello Noel. Hello Rachel. What are we doing in your shed today? We're making some spirals Spiral. for the birds. Ah. So we put some hay and straw in and then lamb's wool, the brown and the white. Have and you then got... we put some feathers in. So we've been talking about me making nesting spirals with you for about a year, haven't we? Yes. Since I first came to Wiggly Wigglers. <laughs> and we, we, haven't, we haven't done it yet. No. So I'm glad that at last I'm now going to do that it. A, yes, that would be fine. So I've got the spiral bird feeders. Yes. And what am I stuffing in it first? Hay and straw. Okay. If you just do hay and straw like this. A handful of hay and straw. Oh, yes, mix. And I just put it in between the... Pull it down. Yeah, that's it. How do you get it in? You just pull it. Oh. Like this, Rachel. Okay, I'm doing it. 
Where's Where does this hay and straw come from? Do you know? It comes from the farmer fields. And then we do usually get our wool, lamb's wool from Alison. Okay, from her zwarblers. From her uh, sheep. From her, zwa- her zwa- zwarblers, aren't they? Oh, they have a funny name. Yes, they're brown, isn't it? So I've opened it out a little bit. Is that enough in there, do you think? No, you've got to put a bit more. Oh, okay. Like Another handful. Yes. Put it there and put it in each. Okay. All right, then. Okay. That's it. Yes. Right. So now we're going to have some nice sheep's wool. Yeah, I'll put some of this, whatever it's called. It's quite wiry, this one, isn't it? It is, yes. I'd sooner have something softer. Mm. But the little birds won't have, like, a soft So you're nest. making sure... You're my um, quality control, quantity control here, aren't you, to make sure that yeah, I put the right quantity. Yeah, you just put that. Put it down now, because you, that's easier to work on the top. OK, and I just stuff it, it in anywhere. Yes, just turn it around and just put bits here and there. Mm-hmm. That's enough now, that. Oh, OK. And then we'll have some... You might want to put some brown because this oh, is very oily. Colour. Yeah, if you put a bit of brown, it just makes it look. Yours is fatter than mine, and it's got. <laughs> mine's really thin. No we'll carry to, on with that. No one's had to sort this one out. No one's had to take over my particular nesting wreath because well, it's, it's up not. Well, it's so you can't just. Uh, <laughs> ah, I like this wool though. This wool's lovely, isn't it? It is. This is really oily, as you said, isn't it? Is, it? Yes. Save on hand cream. Make um, nesting wreaths. Yes. <laughs> there we are. And spirals. Nesting spiral. We're not making a wreath, are we? We're making no. a spiral. Put uh, then a few feathers around. Okay. I have some feathers here. And where are the feathers from? Rachel, when she has pheasants or ah, yes, she breeds pheasants, she doesn't she? Pheasants. Thing, and then oh. she um. Look at that, that's a huge, beautiful, beautiful white sack to yes. full of feathers. I feel like I want to just dive right into that, Noel. Yes. <laughs> no, and then you just stick your feathers around oh, and make it look, because they want feathers for their nests, mm. birds. <gasps> See, I have so some up front, pretty. and then it get busy for, I suppose, I don't know, mm. to have them in the winter or up. They're nice things to give for Christmas presents, aren't yes, they? Things they are. like that. And, and the wreath as well, so you can put it on your door. Yes, you can. You can put uh, little sprigs of holly and it'll make it look nice. And then the birds can have it after. I do be busy Christmas time on the wreath. Because we've got to get willows for that. Oh, and, um, where do we get the willow from? I think Richard. Um, he has a source. Yes, he mm. has. Yes. So I don't have to tuck these in as long as I just stuck no, gently. Just stick them in gently. So that's all right. How does that yeah. look? That's all right. Yes. I might have to get the camera and come down and take a photo. Yes. Your one of mine. Take that one and say yes. I've done that one. Right. Mine looks yes. smaller than yours, though. Does that matter? No. Should we weigh them? Now, um, now, Noel, tell me what you're doing when you're not making nesting spirals. Well, in the morning I come in. I do all the tubs. Bags for Sylvia. And what's that? The mealworms. The mealworms, mm. 500 grams. And then I do a lot of tubs. You know, when we're very busy, I might do maybe eight or 900 tubs. In a day? Yes, in no. a day, on my own, yes. And then I do bags. When we're very busy, the 500 gram bags, I do about maybe over about 160 when we're really busy. Well, and then it. there's mini mealworms. And then when I'm not busy, I do mealworm food. Then mm. I do ceramic beads. Mm. Then I do raisins and sultanas. 
And are you happy in your little shed? I'm very happy in my little shed. Normally you have the dogs with you as well. well I have toast and jam, all that are lost. They're probably outside. Oh, they might be going round with Kevin round the yard. I've got plenty to do if I'm not busy with the mealworms and things. Then I've got in the mealworm shed, cooler, tidy mm. that up, sweep it and mm-hmm. arrange all the trays around. Mm-hmm. And you don't ever end up with going home and finding mealworms in your pockets? Oh, yes, I do. do I you? find them in my bathroom. <laughs> no! Well, sometimes they stick to my jumper, and then if I don't shake them off, yeah. or uh, they get caught like that. In your cuffs? I, yes, in my cuffs, and in the bathroom, and Kevin said, there's mealworms in the bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> so I take my work home. Oh Thank my you. goodness! Then I do seed, flower meadow, and grassy meadow. Do ten grams, twenty grams, fifty grams. Lovely. All that I do. And do you use the stitching machine? Oh yeah. Because when I've tried to use the stitching machine, it's kind of scared me a little bit. It did scare me at the beginning because mm. I was very, and I was getting under trust. The line wasn't straight to start there, and then it would go that off. End. Yeah, yes. but now it's well. God, how many years I've been? How many like years that? have you been working here now? I've been. I'll be six in September. Oh. I started painting beehives. Did you? First, for just three days, I used to paint the beehive, and then they got me on to the mealworms. This is where I am. Because mm. I got so used to it, I just. You're just a super efficient. You're just a super efficient mealworm packing machine. Yes, I am. <laughs> There we are, Rich. Listen, I know you've been to the Master Composters Conference. Indeed. Up at Garden Organic. Indeed. Uh, I went there the, uh, the year before. Oh, no, last year. Of course, it was last year. And uh, did a spiel about worms and bakashi. But interestingly, I didn't really get much chance to talk about bakashi last year. This year, slight change of plan. Uh, one, of the, uh, one of the guys that works for Garden Organic was talking about worms and wormeries. And consequently, maybe he was talking about our wormeries. So I think they were. They, yep. uh, our wormeries were amongst the examples that they were demonstrating. Yeah, sure. And they were talking. Obviously, they were talking about the, the wiggly lime mix and worm treat and and uh, bits and bobs like that. But so yeah. So Fishbourne's Jen uh, on on wormeries was kind of surplus to requirements this year a little bit. But they wanted me to talk about EM and new composting technologies, nonetheless. So so anyway. I, uh, I did that. It concerned me slightly. I thought, how can I talk about Bokashi for 50 minutes? But as things, oh, I'm sure but you could manage it, things transpired. It seemed as though <laughs> there was think, still a great deal to talk about. Can you talk, talk for 50 minutes about pickling uh, rubbish? Yeah. Yes. And it, was, it, seemed, it wasn't a problem at all. I mean, no. I often think, you know, how am I going to achieve that? But, uh, yeah, it's funny when, I, when you're thrown into these situations, it all seems really, really straightforward. <laughs> so, yeah, big throng, big audience. And it was a kind of last workshop of the day. I imagine people would be waning somewhat you know having who was who was the audience then master composters well you know uh, garden organic uh, in association with various other uh, mainly charitable bodies uh, run a sort of a master composting initiative where they quite literally enlist volunteers and train them to go out into the wider communities and talk about composting to essentially to engage people and uh, and encourage them to compost all their oh, food waste. That is so cool. It is. I think probably one, one of the coolest things is that the people that are there are genuinely nice folks and hugely enthusiastic about all things composting like. And it was a funny thing is when I was... Uh, 
<laughs> when I was mid-flow, I thought, right, I'm going to have to say something funny now because I was, you know, feeling slightly mischievous. So when uh, when someone asked me about what I do with my compost, I said, I said, yeah, I, I, well, I tend to do my compost. I mean, I'm not possibly not as enthusiastic about compost as you guys. <laughs> Everybody went, Richard, oh, Richard. I scolded again. And I I said, well, chuckling that I do, in fact, uh, tend to only harvest the compost from my conventional bins once a year. And it's usually to mulch around the sweet corn because uh, the sweet corn tends to, in in proper summers, need to keep the moisture around its feet. So uh, so anyway, that, that was that. And um, it, was, it was just quite entertaining, really. So yeah, it was good. It was good talk. It gave me the chance. And interestingly, there was a couple, there was one guy in there that was in the audience who was very cynical about EM and wanted oh. to pick me up on a few things, which I find, I, I, I enjoy that because, you know, it gives you the opportunity to sort of rise to the occasion a little bit. He was um, quite uh, cynical about the, the applications of EM, and, but mostly based on the fact that there's very little information out there. And his reasoning for the, uh, the fact that there's very little information out there is that negativity it tends not to be publicised. So he's, uh, he was assuming that actually uh, EM was being bigged up in many respects. I, I sort of threw the gauntlet, really, and, and suggested that as a scientist, which he, he said that he was... And he could go out there and spend some time scrutinising EM and its applications and, uh, and then, you know, come back next year and say whether or not it was truly a good thing or not. But, I mean, certainly the, our experiences of EM are pretty wonderful, really, and people that tend well, to use it really like it, don't they? they? Do. Bokashi, you know. Yeah, it, I mean, the thing is... It does it? exactly what it says is it on the tin. It does, know? really, doesn't it? Yeah, because yeah, the thing yeah. is, if you don't <clears> use it you get some gungy, horrible stuff. And if you do use it, you get some gungy, horrible stuff, but it says that. But it, you can tell it's completely different because of the smell. Yeah. I just think of it like pickling yeah. onions, because then I can get my head around it, because it looks the same, but it's totally different after you've pickled it. Yeah, it's absolutely right. It and does that's it. a simple folk yeah, yeah, explanation, sure. but well, I'm happy with that. <laughs> <laughs> and we sponsored a cake which looked like a can of worms. Any good? It tasted very, very sweet indeed. It was very, very tasty. It was far tastier than you can imagine a compost cake could ever possibly be. If you want to see the compost cake, it's on Facebook. Thanks to Gwen Powell, who is also at the event, who is a Facebook groupie, who is going to be our guest blogger for next week all about Master Composters event. So if you want to read about the Master Composters event, go to wigglywigglers.blogspot.com and Gwen will be writing. Maybe she'll give us a review of Ricardo's work. Is she there, do you think? She was there. She was there. Didn't uh, Didn't didn't she make herself introduce herself? No. Well, maybe she did. I don't know. There's one particularly attractive woman that did come up to me at the end of the dark hair. (laughs) That's her. Is that her? Yes. Ah, yes. No. She's very fine. (laughs) Moving on, let's go out to... We got behind the scenes at Wiggly Wigglers today and we're going to be introduced to our new customer service birdie, our lovely Nicole. We have a new addition to the Wiggly Wigglers office team and that's Nicole. Hello. How long have you been here now? Because you're not that new at all, are you, really? Four and a half weeks now. Goodness, and how are you finding it? Yeah, it's really good. Good. And so where did you come from before you were here, Nicole? We've moved from Lincolnshire, about three or four months ago now. 
So one of the things that you have to do when you're answering the phones at Wiggly Wiggly is answer lots of questions about wormeries. Yep. Are you becoming an expert on worms? Slowly but surely, yes, I definitely am. Um, tell me, what is the most common question asked about wormeries? <gasps> my worms have ended up in the sump at the bottom of my wormery. Oh no, mm-hmm. do you know what? My worms have ended up in the sump as well. Have they really? That's mm. not good. You need to add more dry material, more shredded paper and more shredded cardboard. So why have they gone into the sump though? Because it's too wet and they know mm-hmm. from nature that if the soil's too wet, if they burrow down further it will dry out for them. Ah. And because they breathe through their skin, they can't breathe when it's too wet. They drown, don't they? They do, unfortunately. Ah. And it's really wet at the moment. That's true. So you need to put some covers over the top. What do you recommend? A wormery rain cap would be ideal, as it fits on properly and securely. Excellent. (laughs) And do you have your own wormery yet, Nicole? Not yet. I'm currently boring my husband to death with wormery facts and figures, so yeah. Oh, really? Eventually we'll get there, I'm sure. Is he keen on having a wormery? As long as I look after it myself, I think, he'll be fine. Yeah, actually, um, when he puts things in the bin, he keeps saying, that could go in a wormery, couldn't it? So he's, yeah, he's catching on. So, so you're training him I'm before well. you even get in Absolutely. the wormery. Jolly good. Yeah. Well, thank you for talking to me really briefly. Thank you very much. Jolly good. Rich, we've got a new podcast review on the American iTunes. I'm going to get you to read it okay, out yeah, here we straight go. away. Little, that big bang was Richard's yeah, teeth. Yeah, so throwing my teeth under the glass boy. top. Anyway, um, if you would possibly go to your iTunes store and put a review up, we would be eternally grateful. And then we'd read it out on the show and you'd go, as you were commuting on the bus into London, you'd go, oh, it's me, Rich. Okay, here we go. Highly recommended. Is this the one? Is this the right one that I'm supposed to be reading out? No, no it's the fun. one at the top. Okay, oh, well, it doesn't take much reading, does it, really? It's one little line. I look forward to hearing all about it by Jinarek. You've opened my eyes to many issues that I was never aware of. An educational and entertaining use of time. And he's obviously conscious of time, given the uh, expounding of sentences in that review. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Here we go. Remember the Set Aside podcast when I had my bit of a rant about patronising lobby groups who had written to the Telegraph? Well, we had a raft of feedback on that podcast. And if you'd like to go and look and put your comments up, go to the blog because the blog is an explanation of the rant. And also I wrote back to the Telegraph and explained my point of view right. uh, on request of Rachel Harris, who's a member of the CPRE, etc., and also works for them. She right. said, you must go and put your views back. So I've done that. But here we go. Let's have a quick... Insight. Into them. So Stan says, Oh, those naughty, thick farmers with their ancient tractors, cider-making, straw-munching ways must obviously be guilted into giving away lumps of land to turn into wildlife reserves. Smiley. Back off, Brussels. Take task with your local councils first. Millions of cubic yards of nature-rich hedges are destroyed by the highways departments each year in a bid to standardise the levels for road users. Look at all the brownfield sites that could be used for wildlife and consider grants rather than demanding productive land from agriculture. It's all very well looking at birds and badgers, but sometime soon they may well end up looking like food if farmers are fine for not growing, um, food. 
there's an abundance of land that is meteorologically challenged or could not be developed for housing but given to nature. There's plenty of farmland that could be adapted for the bribe of a subsidy but not X percentage of every farm. That's plain silly. This is not France, smiley. And that's from Ross, the restaurateur. Mm. Uh, Leaf have said, uh, thanks for getting the thoughts and the records straight out there. So that's link- linking um, environment and farming. Thank you very much for that. Uh, here we go. Uh, this is from David Powell in Devon, South West England. Doesn't read as patronising to me, Heather. Just an assertive statement of their collective view. It's in the Daily Telegraph, not the Farmers Weekly, to maximise political impact. I said, well, you know, we're going to have to agree to disagree on that one. And he says, thanks, Heather. I'd heard it when I tweeted. I just cannot see the slight that you perceive, but it clearly let your fuse wire. Here we go from Nadine. Thank you, Nadine. I listened to pod... Oh, you read this one. My God, I can read the one that's 100 pages long. Actually, I'm going to put this one up on the blog. But what she says is, I listened to podcast 191 this morning on the bus. Yes, another commuter who thinks your podcast is a breath of fresh air. And it didn't annoy me. I agree with you on most of it. The letter was patronising. But you seem, very sweetly, to assume that all farmers are good blokes. And most are, like Farmer Phil. Tim and the others you mentioned, the Watson family from Riverford, who even inspired other farmers to follow their example. I was a customer while living in the UK. But there are bad eggs, and she can think of two types. There's ones that are cruel, and there's the agribusiness. She says she wishes all farmers were like Farmer Phil, Guy Watson, etc. I bet you do too, Rich. Oh, yeah, that's right, I do. Then yeah. we wouldn't need Gosh, any... Gosh, wouldn't the world be such a wonderful <laughs> place if all farmers were like Farmer Phil? <laughs> then we wouldn't need any environmental schemes or badger protection groups. Unfortunately, this isn't the case. Mm. Hope I didn't depress you. I certainly managed to depress myself. I'm gonna, With your permission, I'll email you, Nadine. I'm going to put that up on the blog because it's got some really good points in there. Um, I'm going to put that up on the blog, but better still... Phone in on the farm phone, 01981-500-930, and you can have your voice on the podcast. We'd love to have you on. That would be fun. Great stuff. So brilliant feedback then, really, on the quiet. Fantastic. Yeah, mostly um, very positive towards farmers, so I think that's quite cool because, um, uh, well, we're farmers. <laughs> but I just think it's amazing to be able to get another point of view out there to people that are probably members of all these brilliant groups yeah. to be able to change the mood from within yeah. because nobody is saying from Wiggly Wigglers that the RSPB aren't completely valid but sometimes I think they have a different point of view to me yeah well, I'm pretty sure that's exactly <laughs> the case <laughs> Right, OK, let's go for a Monty cast. And then we're going straight to Monty, who's doing his summer holiday work at Wiggly Wigglers. Is he? The Monty cast, a weekly fact on wiggliness. In the average beehive, there is one queen, about 50,000 worker bees in midsummer, and a few hundred male drones. Another Monty cast next week on The Wiggly Podcast. Here we go with Monty and Rachel down at Wiggly Wigglers with Monty's first job. <laughs> go on, Monty. 
Why? Is it, tell me why you're helping in the office. Is it because you want to earn lots of money? Well, there is that aspect. Mm. But I also want to make my mum's business very well... Um, well. Very well known? It, it needs a lot of can of worms instructions, which I staple and do that. And I can make it win the Chamber Awards every single year. The Chamber um, of Commerce Awards, is that? Yeah. And did we win this year? No, we won oh. last year. Is that because it hasn't I happened? I don't think we entered this year. Ah. But weren't you telling me that the main reason for working in the office is to... Make my mum's business the best business in the world. Yeah, go Monty. <laughs> <laughs> Um, Farmer Phil's on Twitter. He's doing really well. He, he was retweeted 12 times yesterday right. for, you know, the organic farmer statement about how food was not nutritionally proven as better. Oh, yeah. Somebody had put up that uh, it means that it makes better farming, and he put up organic food does not equal good farming. Good farming equals good farming. Whether or not you're organic, you can be a good farmer, yep. which was retweeted. That's true, that's, that's true. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Which no, I thought was interesting, and retweeted But obviously a, a good organic farmer is better than a good uh, conventional farmer. But of course that's not you, Rich. <laughs> that's, not, that's not me, I'm not a farmer, no. <laughs> you are, aren't you? No. You're not a farmer? Nope. And you've got animals that you kill to eat? Uh, sheep and chickens. Oh, yeah, well, I'm, I'm a person that tries to rely on others for his domestic inputs as little as possible. Not a very snappy title. Have you thought about <laughs> saying farmer? <laughs> I used to work years ago and uh, my job title was... Uh, <laughs> was uh, Did you? Uh, yes. <laughs> so I'm trying to think what it was. It was, it was uh, Community Environmental Appraisal Officer. Community yeah, Environmental Appraisal Officer. So into, that is a... If you go into seek. a community group... Yes. And introduce yourself as, uh, you know, bearing in mind it's kind of some of the community groups that you're kind of faced with, um, nice, wholesome people nonetheless, but probably slightly, slightly uh, bewildered by people with ridiculous uh, job titles. <laughs> so, uh, so, yeah, I had to abbreviate that title in, in no uncertain terms. Did you call yourself a seep or the, a Because the organisation I worked for were quite keen on, on using that title, but I hmm. thought this is a twaddle, so um, tricky one that. Um, dear listener, have you got a corking job title? Because we'd like to hear it. <laughs> if you are a community environmental action <laughs> post holder. Anyway, moving on. Somewhere. Listen, we've got a really exciting time developing kits coming up. We've got all sorts of kits that we're going to put together with some new packaging. And oh gosh, it's all happening. So we will be ending our podcast series next week nice. uh, so the natural end to the podcast series will be 194 episodes whereupon we will have a break we're going to do something special for the 200th then. we are what will that coincide with do you think the uh, 200th probably... the harvest possibly mm, uh, will it be a kind of revisiting in sort of october time don't know but farmer phil this morning is going off for his first day combining he's late because it's now the 30th of july he normally starts on my birthday, which is the 25th. Of the day he starts work. Or, uh, and then he has to wait for it to dry a bit. Oh, so, he work. Says, I yeah. use the word so he's gone to combine the grass seed in the stony field. Right. So hopefully that will go okay and yeah. there won't be any rain. Have you been mithering much? 
Has he has he been, been a bit doing his husbandly moaning to the wife thing yes. of, a, of a lasting a night. Yes, about mm. the weather. About the weather. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Is it? Is he? What is? What does he think? Is it worse than last year? I mean, it does seem on a par with last year, certainly. Um, he's currently still hopeful, but because of last year, he's less hopeful than usual. Yeah. But we need six weeks of good weather, which... Uh, no, there's no chance, I think. Right, OK, mm. thank you very much. So yes. we will be... Our last podcast in this series will be next week. We hope you join us. If you want to follow us on Twitter, you need to go to Twitter forward slash wiggled for me and for Farmer Phil forward slash Farmer Phil with no E. And Richard can't use Twitter because, obviously... No. He can't um, uh, well, I communicate don't know. in or have 140 the characters to, or yet. To do something <laughs> regularly, which is uh, a bit of a trick, really. So it's goodbye from us. How, are you, how do you manage to be so consistent with things like Twitter? Because it only takes two seconds. Okay. And I love it. Okay. I'm interested in the other people that I'm following because they're fantastic. Right. Well, there you are then. Of course, you wouldn't be interested in that, would you? <laughs> goodbye. Bye.